When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the July, or wow, July, January 11th uh, episode of the Fightful MMA podcast. I'm joined today, a last-minute switch, jumping onto the field, jumping onto the pitch, jumping over the boards, onto the ice, uh, is the managing editor for Fightful Online, Sean Ross Sapp. He is also the AA MMA color commentator, part of the Kraken fight team, fight team, and an MSU alum. Sean, thank you very much for stepping in on short notice. What's up, Joe? How you doing? Good. You, you, you woke like me you, up at the at the crack of ten, Joe. That's right, because you like to sleep in pretty late because you're always up so late. I was I was actually up very early this morning. I don't know why. I can't explain why. I don't even want to know why. But I was, and and I got the call, and here I am. It was the MMA podcast gods <laughs> that somehow got into your subconscious mind and said, "Sean, you need Joe, to Joe, we are the MMA podcast gods." Noted. Absolutely noted. Uh, You are always a man of your word, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, For those that don't know, Sean has helped me so much along this uh, quick little journey uh, of getting me from being a guest to a host uh, on FightfulMMA.com and and the actual podcast. Uh, It's been a bit of a challenge for me. I'm just so used to walking into a studio or walking into a booth, headset on, Mic check, let's go. But thank you so much for on the technical side and, and help me out. And, and as we all know, this is still a work in progress. Not much of a work in progress, but we're, we're going to perfect this over the next coming weeks. Uh, and speaking of a man of his word, Sean, Mark Hunt has filed suit against the UFC, Brock Lesnar, everyone in between. This guy is serious. He's pissed off. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out because it's a civil suit. And it, it's going to be weird because it may open up floodgates for the future. Or it could maybe perhaps shut that down and set a precedence that uh, failing a, a performance-enhancing drug test or, or whatever USADA calls them, WWE calls them wellness violations, may open up the doors for people who have lost to fighters or even fought fighters. Uh, there might be people who have beaten fighters that say, hey, you put me at risk by doing this. I don't know. I mean, there. I don't think that there's any proven correlation between clomiphene and performance inside the MMA cage. Like, if you run down the list, Joe, of fighters who have failed drug tests after their their fights, I feel like it was Bloody Elbow or something that kept a running list, and the record was about 500. So, I mean, some people would say, well, that record would be much lower or that percentage would be, would be much lower if they hadn't taken the performance-enhancing drugs. But I, I don't know how that's exactly going to play out. What do you make of this whole situation? Well, the mo- it's, I'm dissecting it. And I thought about it last night because the news came out last night, and I, I'm just trying to think about it from a whole variety of different perspectives. Obviously, Mark Hunt is super pissed off that um, he believes the UFC allowed uh, you know, a, a – "Quote unquote," jacked up Brock Lesnar uh, into the cage, allowing him to obviously sell those pay-per-views for UFC 200 uh, and put him at risk. Uh, and I know that a lot of fighters talk about this. They've spoken to me personally about this. About I'm sick and tired of stepping into a cage or a ring uh, against someone that's completely jacked up. Uh, we all know George St. Pierre backed away from the sport because he got sick and tired of fighting guys that he firmly believed uh, were likely on something, or there were so many people that were taking things, and he just wanted to clean up the sport. So I kind of applaud Mark Hunt for doing this. Now, you can look at the USADA example. The UFC did bring in USADA to sort of stop all of this and try and sort of clean the sport up. But then this four-month rule thing that you and I have talked about at length uh, and how it allows someone like Brock Lesnar to come in and sort of you know, go through certain things and, and, and allow to fight in a manner that perhaps 
obviously, you know, guys like Mark Hunter, like, no, that's, that's not fair. Now, now he got caught for something. And we know that what he got caught for, like you said, may not be something specific that will enhance one's performance, but will it enhance, you know, his ability not to the cage, at least, Am I right? The, right. Yeah, exactly. So not maybe in, a, in another four sort of four walls, if you know what I'm saying there in a, in a different type of platform. Um, but I kind of applaud Mark. Now, he's also going at it from a whole bunch of different angles because he's also going after the UFC, uh, the whole racketeering thing. Uh, the, I guess collusion might be in there. It's and and I mean, let's be honest, Sean. The UFC will do whatever they can to get this dismissed out of court or push this nonstop until Mark Hunt is bleeding money. Yeah, I wonder if if he has the financial means to really, really pursue this to the level in which the the UFC does, especially now that they do. But you never know. Maybe maybe he signed, and this is purely speculation. This is in no way me reporting anything. Maybe he signed up with the. MMAAA, and they're financing it because apparently they have some investors as well. Maybe this is a situation that he went to them for help. Now, like I said, that's purely speculation. And the four-month rule you mentioned, that hurts people like Angela Hill, who did not leave the UFC on her own. She And she very well could have been, I have her, if not my top non-UFC fighter of the year. She was in the top three or four. She won four fights and Invicta earned her way back to the UFC. And now we don't have any news of whether she's going to be back or not. Mark Hunt sees a situation where, where Brock Lesnar, and I don't think Mark Hunt really understood the four-month rule. There's a lot of people who don't understand the four-month rule. To break it down, you guys, if a UFC fighter like Brock Lesnar, like BJ Penn, if they left the UFC before USADA came in, they are treated as a new fighter because they cannot be held to a contractual obligation that they didn't contractually agree to. Uh, that, that's why they are given that that waiver. That's just like a new fighter. Now, if uh, Brendan Schaub, he noted that he had to sign paperwork to USADA stating that he was retired. If, uh, say they cut Conor McGregor tomorrow, for whatever reason they fire Conor McGregor, then they pull him from that testing pool and they try to bring him back a month later. He's got to wait the four months. That's just the way it is. I don't necessarily agree with it. They didn't necessarily – it wasn't their call to exit that USADA pool. But the, on, on the same – at the same time, the UFC can't afford to just keep testing these people when they're not in their – I don't want to say in their employee, under contract to them. It's a weird situation. That we have going on here, Joe, with everything. And Mark Hunt looks to capitalize on a situation that he originally said that he didn't care about. He said that he didn't care if Brock Lesnar was juiced up or not. So it's it's weird after he got his got his bell rung that he changed his mind. I also think it's part of a case where you have an example of maybe one fighter, maybe more fighters that are saying, you know what, USADA's not helping. This whole thing isn't making sense. And, and there's still guys that are competing juiced up and they're not being penalized accordingly. Well, you can make the argument that they are being penalized from one-year suspensions to two years to, you know, pretty soon someone's going to get a lifetime suspension or a lifetime ban from the sport. I, I think this is more of a case of Mark Hunt. Not only, it's, it's more than what Mark Hunt feels. I think he's trying to set an example. And I think he's just beyond pissed off at the UFC. Uh, and of course, you know, like you said, if he's part of the MMAA, there's a lot of money the UFC is making, especially now uh, with all their different investors as well, uh, and, and just being run by who they're being run by. That you know, and it's it's. I think it's it's like the Olympic rings. There's so much happening right now that some of those rings are intertwining with the other rings to try and clean things up, fix things up. And you know, I know a lot of fighters, Sean, like I mentioned earlier on, they are pissed off with what's happening. They don't like how it's being run. They do like the fact that at any one point in time, a they got to report to Yasada, tell them exactly where they are uh, at any time, and that any one point in time they get a knock on their door, uh, or they could be in a restaurant with their girl, or where girls could be there with their guys, or whatever. It could be anywhere at any time, and and they'd like the out of competition testing uh, it's the ones obviously that are cheating that they kind of like hide around or you know you know guys that may have hit under rings before but uh you know it's i think it's more yeah it's more like a guy like mark hunt who's example uh of the ufc of brock lesnar of, of just the sport in general because let's face it he's almost on his way out yeah, I, I get a lot of polarizing responses as it pertains to the whereabouts situation i know that people like ian mccall hate it like he has went off on USADA 
representatives before because they said, you need to be here now. And he said, no, I can be at my house taking a nap if I want. Well, the thing is, I, I mean, they're supposed to tell them that. There are other fighters that like it that have been like Mark Hunt. Now, I, I don't know if he enjoys the whereabouts or not because the, the irony is he bitched and moaned when USADA came to test him. <laughs> That's what I don't understand is he said he didn't care about it. Then when he got beat up, he did care about it. When the drug test came back, he cared about it. He wanted out of his UFC contract to fight elsewhere where they don't do drug testing. Then when they came to drug test him, he got mad about it. He, I don't know. This is some cyborg level handling going on here. Oh, Jesus. Now, listen, uh, I'm sure you've seen your fair share of Mark Hunt interviews. You understand that this is a guy that operates on a different frequency, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've interviewed him before uh, on numerous occasions and maybe a question or two in, I realized I was dealing with somebody uh, I guess not in the mold, not in the norm of of a of a interview interviewee sort of uh, relationship. This was something completely different when I was interviewing him. So a lot of the stuff that you just mentioned, the whole flip flopping of yay nay yay nay, um, I understand it. Uh, I don't empathize with it. I don't sympathize with it. I just understand uh, that Mark Hunt does some of this. Now, speaking of empathizing and understanding, um, the Nevada State Athletic Commission on Friday will discuss. Perhaps the removal of marijuana uh, for anything that would be banned. Good point. It could actually happen. You think it'll actually? You think Matt will come back? No, not a chance. He is. uh, He is a hot commodity in pro wrestling. Now, okay, before we get to the Nevada State Athletic Commission and, and that, that discussion there, you've mentioned before that he's a hot commodity, and for those tuning oh, yeah. in right now, that absolutely. Like, love Matt Riddle, uh, but don't know where he – like, just from an MMA perspective, this guy is is doing quite his thing, quite the fair share. Um, let's just say he's, he's carving a fantastic niche in the world of wrestling. Yeah, he stepped into pro wrestling. It was funny. I interviewed him before his last Titan FC fight. I've interviewed Matt, like, once a year. I always found him a fascinating character. I interviewed him before his Titan FC fight, and I just kind of threw it out there. And Matt Riddle isn't the type of guy that anybody looked at and said – Pro wrestler, that guy. But I was trying to make my mark in that crossover type of thing that we're doing here at Fightful. And he was like, you know what? Maybe I would like to do it. But I don't want to do it as Matt Riddle. I want to be a completely different character. Apparently, somebody got in his ear and said, no, Matt Riddle can make a lot of money as a pro wrestler. He uh, is being compared to the likes of Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar for how quickly he has picked up pro wrestling. And that that's saying something. He did a WWE tryout last year, blew through the tryout. Like, he said that he was counting his reps out loud and laughing while he, he did his tryout. So everybody else is blowing up. And uh, WWE has interest in him. There's you know, that marijuana situation. Apparently, when you Google his name, he holds up a big bag of weed. He from does. High Times Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. But, uh <clears throat> Yeah, he's under contract to Evolve now. He does the Fightful.com podcast with me on uh, Thursday afternoons, and that is very highly regarded uh, in in the world of wrestling as he does not give a damn what anybody thinks. He doesn't care about future employers, past employers, current employers. He doesn't care about them either. Like, he'll he'll just talk about anything, and the WWE has their eye on him, and they, they like him a lot. He is very talented. Oh, Matt Riddle, I applaud you for that. Who would have thought, right? Well, this, that sense of freedom uh, to never really care uh, about anyone else, any employers and stuff like that, that there's a certain amount of impeccable and enjoyment and freedom uh, when you have that. Uh, I've been in that situation before. I won't, I won't say when and where, but it, it's, it's a great feeling. Uh, not that I would ever take advantage of it or, or, or mistreat anybody, but I know that sense of feeling where it's like, I don't care. I don't care what your opinion. Uh, well, I do care, but I just, you know, whatever. Um, but let's get back for a moment to the Nevada State Athletic let Commission. Me, let me hit you with a quick stat. Sure. A quick stat. Fightful.com podcast hosts and co-host combined since 2012 in Ultimate Fighter and UFC fights, 13 and 1. <laughs> I am responsible for zero of those losses. Undefeated. That's awesome. That is amazing. We, we, we're just running the show. We're, we're, what did you call us? MMA podcast gods, and we're undefeated fighters, or at least the organization is? 
Well, Joe, if anybody says anything to us, we can just have Elias or Sean or Matt handle it for us. That is that is very true. And, and for those wondering about Sean Pearson, um, he, he should be joining me tomorrow. Uh, we're looking uh, right now at about 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, but Sean had to step away. He was extremely apologetic, and I'm like, Sean, get out. Like, you got to handle what you got to handle. Just get out. Don't worry about it. He's like, no, no, I'm sorry. I want to make this work. I'm like, Sean. Go do what you got to do. Everything will be fine. So he will be joining us tomorrow. And for those that have never heard Sean Pearson speak, um, you, let's just say he is not short of opinions. He will not hold back. Uh, and he's, uh, he's someone that, you know, in person I've had difficulty dealing with because I'm like, this guy's going to get us in trouble. This guy's going to get me in trouble. He's fearless. Uh, he is, you know, quote unquote, an alpha male. And he speaks like an alpha male. So uh, if you get a chance tomorrow night to tune in, uh, you'll probably pleasantly surprise. I don't think Sean will have some sort of muzzle over his face uh, in, in any sort of manner where he'll kind of curb his, his terminology or his words. So look forward to that. Uh, and I'm sure he'll have a different opinion than what I have regarding this Nevada State Athletic Commission Actually, he may or may not. I'm not too sure. We'll, we'll find out tomorrow. But, uh, Sean, again, going back to this Friday, Nevada State Athletic Commission will discuss marijuana and perhaps removing it because the state itself has now uh, allowed uh, not just medicinal marijuana but recreational use. And now they're looking over uh, from a from a, an athletic commission perspective, a sanctioning regulating perspective, where they're going to say, you know what, it's probably fine. And I think we just have Sean on mute for a moment there. I'm not too sure what just happened there. We may have lost Sean's sound. I could see him. I'm not sure if you guys can see him or not, but uh, uh, there he goes. He's testing. Nope, nothing there. He's going to throw something. He's put himself uh, on mute there. So in essence, ladies and gentlemen, while we wait for Sean to come on, uh, he may have to log out, log out and log back in. So for those that don't know, obviously, we, we've seen what happened with Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz has been suspended three times, the first in the Takanori Gomi fight, the second time uh, versus Carlos Condit, uh, and then obviously most recently, uh, it was something like a five- or six-year ban, uh, which was obviously reduced. Um, you know, he mentions he had a, uh, this little thing going on with Snoop Dogg where he talks about how Cher was able to actually help him. Um, Test. There he is. There he is. Hey! Sean, I was just mentioning. I was just mentioning how um, glad to have you back, by the way. But I was just mentioning how Nick Diaz had that thing with Snoop Dogg, where he explained, you know, basically how Cher helped him. Uh, but he was one guy that's been, excuse me, suspended three times by Nevada uh, for marijuana infractions, and and you know, it's. It, you could empathize. You could feel sorry for the guy. I mean, I'm 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 one of those guys who's never had a problem uh, with the usage of marijuana. Um, you know, before during training camps, uh, what I don't want to see is guys, you know, stepping into the octagon uh, or or girls stepping into the octagon or ring, you know, stoned out of their tree. Uh, but as long as they're sober in there, whatever they do afterwards, I could care less. Yeah, ban it in competition at a very, very high level where it can't be mistaken. They were high when they got in the cage. Otherwise, get rid of it. I'm not a marijuana user, but I am a marijuana advocate, especially for you – know, I cover pro wrestling, and these people, like, for for decades, they were pilled up, and they were, they, they were forced to take pain – or that forced. They took painkillers to dull the pain on the road, and now a lot of them are using marijuana to do that. Uh I mean, needless to say, I'll be talking about this with Matt Riddle tomorrow, but I wish Nevada would allow just a special cameo from Pat Lundvall just so she can be like, oh, my God, can well, you imagine? Actually, well, actually, I want her to be there just to watch this whole thing crumble because her vision of the Nevada Athletic Commission is just going to be so different in a couple of years. Way different. Yeah, she, anyways, I, I, I don't want to go there. Um, do you think this will be something that will pass and will it pass soon or will it take a while, like a year or so to get done? It's hard to say. Um, if it doesn't now, I think it will next year. Uh, marijuana is becoming much more socially acceptable, which I think is a wonderful thing. It helps a lot of people. And you know what? It's a grind. It's a real grind. MMA training, like, it's it's really it's not comparable to anything. I think it should be permitted in all sports. I mean, you have to be responsible with it, obviously. But in the scope of MMA, I don't see an issue. I just don't see the problem. 
it makes no sense to me. It never has. Uh, but I will state that I don't want to see any competitor stepping into a, a platform uh, high yeah. as a kite or have anything in them. I do understand. Now, the one thing we have to look at very carefully, okay, and this is – I just sent off a tweet um, responding to someone that, that kind of brought it up as well. If Nevada, which is a state athletic commission, uh, sort of abolishes and, and says, you know what, it's fine. If these guys want to use marijuana as long as they're not stoned in the cage or the ring, it is perfectly fine. USADA doesn't allow it especially out of competition. So now you're going to have a situation where a promoter and or fighters will have to deal with either, well, who's right, the state or USADA? Yeah, that's the weird situation that we run into when all of these these places regulate state by state. And I want to know how you feel about that because we, we're also running into a situation where a lot of these states also aren't adopting the new rules that were created. What do you think about that? Like to me, that's that's weird because I think the new rules that were put in place are good rules. Yeah, let's let's get to yeah. the rules in a moment because now that you mentioned that, that officially pisses me off. And I, the stupid politics uh, and the Association of Boxing Commissions, not the ABC generally at the top, but just the 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 the, the umbrella portion. We'll get to that in a second. I'm more concerned with, you know, because I was thinking about it. Like, let's say, for example, Nick Diaz competes in California or in uh, yeah. in Vegas. And Vegas allows him now to basically, or sorry, excuse me, Nevada now allows, they don't care. He's fine. Him and Nick, Nick and Nate and whomever are fine. Uh, AKA Matt Riddle wants to come in. He's competing again. And if he ever goes back to MMA, he's allowed. But then you saw it was like, nope, you failed. But what does the UFC do now? Well, I mean, isn't the, uh, I think USADA just tests for that in competition, don't they? They don't test for marijuana out of competition, do they? I believe it is outside. I could be wrong, and you could be right. I'm not sure. I, I don't, that, I don't that think so because I, I remember the explanation I was given. I think it was – I think I talked to a USADA representative, and basically the thing that they told me was we're not vice cops. We're catching PEDs, not necessarily marijuana. I don't think it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure on that matter, uh, but uh, it, it, that's, a, that's a tough one. I mean the athletic commission is government – is, is the government. Yes. I mean, you can't really go beyond that. They're going to do what they're going to do, and that will be recognized. USADA is basically there as, as a UFC tool. I mean, they are paid by the UFC to institute this. Realistically, the UFC could say, if they wanted to, they could be like, John Jones, Brock, you can come back right now. This is a UFC-sanctioned penalty. This, uh, Well, they are also penalized by Nevada. But if Nevada hadn't penalized them, the UFC just be able to bring them back whenever they wanted because that's them. That's a self-imposed uh, suspension on those two fighters. But because Nevada has them suspended, that's they're really beholden to that. Well, I'm going to applaud Nevada right now. Uh, if they can get this done, that'd be fantastic because between them and California and New Jersey, they are trendsetters. Um, you know, a lot of the organiz- a lot of the other commissions do follow the lead most of them will follow the lead that those three uh, basically put forth. Now, you did mention that the government's going to do whatever they want to do. Sometimes it's a good thing. It's also a bad thing. You mentioned that there are commissions now that are not going to adopt the new uh, changes to the unified rules of mixed martial arts, which is a whole little bullshit, in my opinion, because uh, it should be unified. That's why they're called unified. And, and who are you as a smaller commission? Well, it depends on which commission. I think New Jersey might be one of them uh, that may not be accepting it, but in essence – Everyone should be adopted. It's that way. It's, there's no problem for fighters to compete in different commissions and then not have to worry about it. The rules are there for a reason. You got Big Joe McCarthy, who's basically the godfather or the forefather, uh, along with the likes of Larry Hazard and others that created the unified rules of MMA. They're the ones that are there all the time. No commissioner, no judge, uh, and no other referee anywhere in the world has been there more than the guys like John McCarthy. They understand the sport. They know it better, and they know what's right and what's basically wrong. Um, some of these changes to me are absolutely fantastic. Some of them are just midterm, uh, eventually going to make some changes outside of the cage. For example, the one where, you know, you can't put your fingers out because you might get your finger into the opponent's eyes. I think that's more of a glove issue, uh, and not necessarily a foul issue, but, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's hear some of your thoughts and some of the rule changes and some of the judging criteria. The rule changes, I think they would go beyond, and you actually wrote about it. I don't know if, if it's published yet. Gloves need to be changed in the UFC to help really accentuate that eye poke rule. I don't know why the UFC hasn't embraced the the Everlast gloves that Bellator does. I don't remember a whole lot of eye pokes in Bellator of late because of that. They curve the fingers. It really helps out. 
the it's funny everybody calls it the three point stance rule and it's not really a three point stance rule apparently there's a lot of people confused because you had longtime UFC broadcasters screwing it up on air before it even happened that that needs to be established the the down standing it, it didn't seem like it was that confusing to me Anything but the soles of your feet on the ground means that you're a grounded opponent. Well, that changes a little bit now, and I'm all for it. When I interviewed Jail Sun and Joe, he's like, people say that that there are fighters gaming the system. I've never seen it. I sure as hell have. I've seen it a lot. I've seen a lot of people put that that one hand down because if they put the two hands down, they either open themselves up for a, a takedown or a choke, and or they're going to eat a knee. So this is going to open up. A whole lot. A whole lot. Like, I, I think it's really underestimated how much that having the second hand down really opens up. You can't defend. Uh, so a lot of times when that happens, you're in a, a front headlock, front face lock, whatever it may be, and you're battling. You're trying to do that, but you got that one hand down. you got that one hand touching, and they can't knee you in the head. Now you got to have two down. So if you do that, it opens up a world of possibilities. I think that is going to, I don't want to say revolutionize MMA, but it's going to change a lot of MMA as we know it. Um, I think yeah, it, hang on. Rule- it's not going to re- re- revolutionize anything, but it will change, uh, the, I guess, the speed of the fight, the action, because now you're going to be allowed to literally shin kick somebody, knee somebody, and, and do a lot more with that loophole now being gone. I think it's wonderful. I, I like. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. That, I mean, Sonnen says, his Sonnen told me that no fighter or promoter was on board with that. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I would see why they wouldn't be because that does open up another element of danger. The eye poke thing, like, I mean, John Jones is probably one of my favorite fighters to watch in the world, but come on. You got to do it. You got to warn them beforehand. I'm so sick of all these refs that give like two or three warnings. I wish they would do that for all infractions. One warning, that's it. With the eye poking, no. Anything that can stop a fight, you warn them backstage, and it's it's an immediate foul if if it's done recklessly. For things like grabbing the cage, I wish there would be one warning, then you start taking a point because you see it all the time. You see somebody grab the cage six or seven times. One that I want to see expanded, and apparently it's it's on the list to talk about this year, instant replay. Because when you have eye pokes that come into play in a fight like you remember Anthony Johnson and Josh Koscheck? Yep. Where instant replay and the eye poke rule could have maybe made that decision completely different because Josh Koscheck feigned getting poked in the eye. And if instant replay were there, maybe maybe there was a point deduction there. Maybe, maybe, maybe flopping should be in the criteria. For a guy like Josh Koscheck. But then he ended up poking uh, Anthony Johnson in the eye and winning that fight. Poor Anthony Johnson. you you got to wonder what his record would look like if eye pokes didn't exist. If this rule were around 10 years ago, how different would his career be? There, There's a lot of changes that are going to happen. And I think they're changes for the good, Joe. One thing that you mentioned, uh, and I do want to clarify it because you're absolutely bang on with your assessment. Referees in mixed martial arts uh, are supposed to launch one warning if they think it was either A, accidental, or B, you know, quote-unquote malicious. 
if it's considered malicious, it's an immediate one-point deduction. There's no grabbing the cage once, grabbing the cage twice, grabbing the cage. Third. Guy, I'm warning you. Hey, don't. Hey, hey, don't. Hey, hey. No. No. You are supposed to call time, separate the fighters, remove one, or tell the judges one point deducted, put them back in the position that they were at. That is That is factual. Okay, you, you, there are some referees that understand this. There are other referees that refuse to pull the trigger. There, you have to understand, a foul is a foul. You are allowed to warn as a referee. You're also allowed to make that judgment that, you know what, that was malicious. You know, we see, we've seen kicks to the groin become uh, a problem in, in mixed martial arts. Well, you know sometimes that there are guys that are purposely doing that, uh, either to A, hurt their opponent, or B, get a break. Okay, that should be something that should be looked at and said, hey, you know what, no, 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 I don't care. Minus one, okay? There are times it is accidental. Guys are, are, are one, one guy's in a southpaw stance, one guy's in an orthodox stance, and they're throwing an inside kick. Totally get it. Uh, it happens. But there are times when guys, like you said, Sean, are holding the cage. No. You got to stop, especially if it's if – it's, one thing I would like to see is in, in a situation where referees – and I know it's subjective, Sean. I know you might say it's subjective. But in a situation when, for example, a guy's got one guy or a girl has him in a body clinch and they're next to the cage and they're able to lift the hips, scoop them up, and you know it's going to be some sort of takedown or a trip, but then the fighter grabs the cage, and as he grabs the cage, it prevents the takedown, but the referee stops it and says, no, no, one, either A, a warning, B, take away a point, but in your opinion, should that fight now go to the ground? So I'll, I'll pro uh, Tito Ortiz, Rashad Evans. Perfect example. That fight went down as a draw. Well, it went down as a draw because uh, because there was cage holding. Well, what happens if if uh, Ortiz doesn't hold onto the fence? You know, he doesn't get that point deducted, but he's probably on his back. How different does that fight play out now? It changes things. Now he was penalized, but. Yeah, I think it should go to the ground. I absolutely do. Joe, I've seen some weird stuff in my day. Some weird stuff. The first time I ever cornered a fighter, it was by accident. Let me let me play out the scenario. The referee was so bad. He was so bad. The guy that I cornered, I didn't know. It was one of those situations. Hey, can you corner me? I need a corner. Got my corner license. I was there. And it wasn't one of my my team members, thankfully. And this was, gosh, I want to say seven, eight years ago. He kept getting taken down. When he was on his back, he would shrimp to his side and punch the guy in the spine. That's a foul. That's a foul. And it's reckless. And afterwards, I'm like, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> well, I, Well, here's what he was doing. The referee was terrible, and he had been watching all night, so he was a lot smarter than I. After every foul on the ground, wherever it was, referee stood up to fight. He got a fresh chance every time he got stood up. This happened twice, Joe. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He knocked the guy out. He cheated to get back on the feet, knocked the guy out. You have inept referees, not as many as there used to be. Hey, there's, there's situations where guys get put up against the cage and they know they're about to get taken down. They'll crack somebody in the balls with a knee to get that break to get that separation, to get a better angle than they were at before because they know it's going to get separated. Maybe they won't get the position back. We've come so far in MMA, Joe, but we have so much further to go. Well, the argument is simple, Sean. Let me ask you this then, all right? Uh, Outside of mixed martial arts and professional wrestling, what are your go-to sports? Football. I love football. Um, Football, basketball, and a little bit of baseball. Imagine watching the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and college ball, and realizing that every single time you watch a game, or maybe not even realizing this, but the officials and the umpires basically have no idea about the rules of the sport or have no idea what the sport's really about. Because that is basically what happens in a lot of commissions, A, with referees that come from boxing, and B, judges to this day it's 2017 judges to this day that couldn't tell you the difference between a kimura an americana an umada the guard side control half mountain half guard they don't know the difference they don't know if a submission is locked on they don't know a choke they don't know a von flu choke from a triangle choke that is what's happening in the world of mixed martial arts and elias theodoro and i talked about it on yesterday's podcast it's still going on and it's 
disgusting. Yeah. It's despicable. There's no way these oh. people, because a referee will, you know, a referee is basically in charge of somebody's life. Okay. How many a reckless judge- chokeouts have you seen in the past year? I've seen several. Right. And, and I'll tell you something, okay, uh, regarding chokes in a second, but just, just to close off my point, a referee is basically in charge of somebody's life or two people's lives. A judge is basically in charge of their paycheck. Okay. Two people that have massive or two positions that have massive effects on a fighter's life and career potentially are people that have no idea about the sport. And it's stupid. It's dumb. It needs to change. It's It should have been changed decades ago, but it continues to go on and it should never be allowed. And I think this is up not only to the promoters, sorry, not only up to the commissions, it's also up to the promoters to say, hey, you know what? Hey, commissioner or commission, who is going to be judging and refereeing the belts that we are paying for, the sanctioning for, and I want to see their credentials and certifications. It's also, in my opinion, incumbent on the fighters and their management staff slash agents to find out as well who is going to be judging and refereeing my fight because if this ass clown has no idea about mixed martial arts or what's happening, he should be nowhere near a cage or a ring. Yeah, and it's so funny because when I inquire with some of these commissions, I'm working on a story about the Kentucky Commission now, uh, gathering quotes and stuff. A lot of these places, you'll see them have refs work like maybe 10, 15 fights in a row on on the amateur circuit. Then when other people will inquire, well, are you you training? Are you hiring? No, we've we've got our maximum. We're, We're good. And I'm like, I just saw one ref work 15 fights in a row that's not safe that's 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 weird you need the mental I don't break. like it you need the mental yeah. break whenever you're officiating because believe me officiating is not fun when i when i was um tasked to officiate i think i officiated um ryan mcgilvray against another pro fighter during the course and this was in uh just outside of edmonton alberta i'll tell you man just that three minute fight it was. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I could just. I know you get used to it. There's repetition. It, everything gets easier, but it wasn't. I mean, when I had to call time, when I had to like get to do it the right way, you got to first stop the fight, then you got to call time. You can't yell time and then stop the fight because something, an infraction happened. And then if it was something concussive, you got to bring in the doctor. If it was a low blow, five minutes. The eye poke is it five minutes? Is it not five minutes? So. Refereeing is not easy. You gotta and you gotta know the unified rules of MMA and the fouls inside and out. And believe me, when I wrote that test, Sean, I luckily I had some help uh, with a friend of mine who's a teacher and an instructor who, who actually flew out to Edmonton as well to take the course. And when we were studying at night, he literally drew a stick man, okay, and took all the fouls of the unified rules of mixed martial arts and put it around the stick man. And that's how I memorized what all the oh, fouls wow. were. It was. I was like, you are a genius because I was sitting there reading. I think it was twenty one at the time, uh, or, or there were twenty one different fouls, and and, th- and I was just going through. I can't memorize this. John McCarthy's going to kick the shit out of me. He's going to laugh at me. He challenged me to come out there. He knows I know my stuff, but it's time to get certified, Joe. That way, when you speak in the television show, you know what you're talking. And whenever you tweet and do social media, and I'm looking at this thing, Sean, going, "Oh my god!" And then I got the call. Hey, showdown! You want to come down for a coffee? We're studying and blah blah. I got some ideas. Yeah, man. Anything. I get down there and I'm like, okay. So we did it. Okay. And then we had to do the practical portion. And I'm telling you. Knowing the rules of MMA and applying them in a ring or a cage are completely different. And then doing the judging. And one of the fights that we were doing when we got tested on for the judging, it was a five-round tie. And I'm not allowed to give it up because John doesn't want anyone to know it uh, because you have to basically do it in the course. A five-round title fight in an organization I don't think is even existing anymore. Each round, Sean, each one of those rounds could have easily been scored 10-10. And each round had a differentiating factor that made it 10-9. It was unbelievable and how difficult it was to score that fight. So to do that, and then you're saying the guys are doing it, you know, 15 times in a row, that's lunacy. That's a thing that I got when I asked Kentucky Commission uh, representatives, why don't you see more 10-10 rounds? And the guy told me, because somebody won the round. And I was like, what if they stood there and looked at each other for five minutes? Did somebody win the round? Do you think they should employ more 10-10s? I'm going to say no, and I'll tell you why. 
there always is now. So we we need to talk about the judging, the new judging criteria now. Okay, yeah, uh, that is finally finally taking place. This is long overdue, Sean. It's not like I mean you could have done this with the original unified rules of of mixed martial arts before the changes, but now there are going to be situations where you look at it and say, you know, quantity uh, will be surpassed by quality i.e. a guy throwing five or six jabs or a combination with numbers and coming inside, hitting the body, boom, 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 boom. But then his opponent just lands that that one shot that kind of rocks his opponent. Or uh, people don't really understand when you get need uh, in the abdomen or when you get need in general, that hurts, man. It hurts. It may not look like it because you know fighters will have poker faces, but that hurts. So if a guy is throwing a combination, blah, blah, but his opponent is able to get the plumb and lands that one knee, you can see when a fighter is, is aggressive and coming forward and all of a sudden gets need and all of a sudden they kind of move back. But their face is still the same and they're bobbing and weaving, but they got hurt. That's a situation when you look at it and say, okay, you know what? That fighter just tried to end the fight. The whole thing about grounding, the ground game, uh, submissions. People are like, oh, that triangle choke wasn't on. It may not have been on, but the guy is trying or girl is trying to finish the fight while his opponent is in defense mode. You don't get points for defense. The purpose of mixed martial arts, which is an aggressive sport, is to finish the fight. So when you start looking at two competitors competing uh, in a cage or in a ring, who is doing what to actually finish the fight? If nothing was finished in that round, something happened or something, an amount of certain things occurred, which you could say, you know what, that, the edge will go to that fighter there, give them a 10-9. 10, 10, 10 rounds to me are extremely rare. Can it happen? Of course it can. But I can probably look at any round that you show me and find something within the unified rules of MMA that says, you know what, I'm going to give it to this person here. You broke that down more eloquently than anybody I've had break it down because literally the only reason I was given by actual commission members was, well, somebody won the round. That's like, well, break it down a little bit more for me. Uh, we also, you mentioned the rules or the, the scoring criteria changes. They changed the, the word damage to impact. I know that the Bellator head of regulatory affairs, Corey Schaefer, took like, he took some exception with the word damage, and so did a few of the like state commissions New Jersey did. I like hey, I like that, but when they say damage, that's that's a still damage and impact. That's seemingly a subjective term too, because how many times have you seen people say, Well, look how that guy looks after the fight compared to that guy? But this isn't this isn't the fourth grade. This is MMA. You've been around a lot longer than I have. Uh, I don't think how a person looks necessarily should affect things. I think the the actual impact of a punch or a kick or a slam or something like that should matter. But, I mean, if the contest becomes who has the least amount of scar tissue on their face, I think that's a, a weird place to be. I concur. I concur 100% because, I mean, GSP late in his career, you could he could sneeze and, and, and blood will come out of his nose. You know, BJ Penn, you, you could never cut BJ Penn in the past. Now he cuts very easily. Uh, the Diaz brothers, you know, you could just simply flick them in their eyebrows and they're going to split open. Vanderlei was at that point as well. So uh, I'm not overly concerned with blood, although, um, you know, when you're looking at it, oh, that looks pretty bad. Well, what, what caused it? Because if it was, if the guys are in a clinch, Sean, and they're scrambling on the ground, or standing up and all of a sudden a guy comes out bloody nothing really happened there but all of a sudden if some guy throws that elbow and it just cuts him open well you know what we have ourselves a situation where there was impact uh we're seeing some blood but um i the, the word impact versus damage uh, i'm 50 50 on it i just want to see guys and girls compete and try and finish the fight uh and not throw out numbers there uh we, we're, we're I'm, I'm a little pressed for time so i want to get some rapid fire stuff with you uh if you sure. don't mind uh i'll throw a couple of words out there and you give me your quick thoughts uh and you pretty much know where i'm going with all of these and i will start off with meryl streep I appreciated the sentiment, but she was very uneducated. Because uh, if MMA doesn't have any foreigners, I'd like to know how the hell I ended up with like a dozen Canadians working with me. Figures. Uh, Ronda Rousey's <laughs> post explaining that from rock bottom, she will now build her foundation. Uh, and I know we're going to go to Edmund in about, 18, in about eight seconds here. But Cyborg's people posting something relatively nice on that, on that Instagram post. I wish $3 million was my rock bottom. Also, uh, I would be 
inclined to believe that that was actually Chris Cyborg that posted that as opposed to the people who handle her social media who post some stuff that isn't very nice and is quite unbecoming. I would pro- I would probably believe that that was actually Cyborg or her doing or her saying because she isn't a bad person. The people who handle her social media are not good at it. But uh, I think I think that was probably that probably came directly from her. I would assume. I can attest that Cyborg is not a bad person, uh, and she has an exceptional sense of humor. Uh, if you guys watched uh, the podcast, uh, the day that the first podcast Sean and I did when I returned from Japan after covering uh, the two Ryzen events, and how Cyborg uh, was more than happy to come uh, when I was interviewing Gabby Garcia, she's like, "Are we going to spar?" We gonna, are we going to spar after? Uh-huh. And I'm like, uh, that would be a stupid idea. Uh, what time are you training? She says, nine. I said, what about if I come see you at midnight? You want to spar then? She's like, oh, yeah. And here I am thinking she'd be tired. No, I, she's just <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Um, bye-bye, Mike Goldberg. Oh, man. I've got a lot of mixed feelings about this. Uh, hey, did you see who's on color commentary this Saturday or this Sunday? Is it Daniel John Cormier? And, oh, he's doing Daniel, color. Yeah, and how long have I been saying this is the guy I think should replace Rogan? Now, here's the thing: if it's if it's Jim Rome that's replacing him, as speculated, I've never heard Jim Rome call MMA. I don't know how he'll do. I have called heard Todd Grisham call a lot of uh, pro wrestling. I think he'd be fine. He's been working with ESPN for five years. It's going to be different, but I mean. I see, I see it, and the UFC wants a more, or well, the new owners want a more uh, objective approach to their commentary. From what I understand, Fox wants that too. Apparently, Fox wants it treated more as a sport instead of as a promotional tool, as a shill. I'm okay with that. You know what? He he made a lot of money. He got out. He's gonna get some work somewhere if he wants it. Because regardless of what you feel about his quality level. He's responsible for some of the most iconic calls of all time. Well, not responsible. He was a part of some of the most iconic calls of all time. And, you know, I wish they would have given him a proper send-off. Apologies. I was just coughing there. Uh, BJ Penn is scheduled for five rounds against Yarier Rodriguez on Sunday. Does this fight go five rounds? No. Will it go three rounds? No. Joe Lozon versus uh, Marcine Held. Will there be blood? Yes, <laughs> there will. Uh, maybe Lozon's foot will even bleed when when Held rips it off. That is, that is the co-main event on, sun, on Sunday. Uh, and yes, I am saying the word Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Court McGee versus Ben Saunders. Does this one end in a finish or is this one going the distance? I think it'll be a good fight, but I think it goes the distance. Uh, glad to see Ben Saunders back. Court McGee, he's, he's, he had that, that nice streak, but he's been, as I like to say, inconsistent of late. Ben Saunders, you better bring your consistent game if you, you plan on beating him, though, because that, that's a tall task. And for a guy that's overcome all that Court McGee has, I, you know, I think he's more than capable. This is a guy who just a few years ago has a win over Robert Whitaker, and you see where Robert Whitaker is now. Um, but the thing is, when Court McGee gets just that little notch above the guys he's beaten, he has some trouble. Costa Filippo, Nick Ring, Ryan LaFlair, even uh, he, he dropped a fight to Ponza Nibio, who's really good. I think Ben Saunders is on that level that Court McGee has some trouble with. MMA mileage, my friend. Court McGee has a fair amount of MMA mileage. Uh, starting off that main card on Fox Sports 1, um, and I'll tell you a quick funny story. You, you ever shake someone's hand and realize two things? A, wow, you've got soft hands for a man. Or B, holy smokes, what the hell's in your hand? Well, uh, when the UFC was in Toronto uh, last month, uh, I saw Stephen Thompson uh, in the VIP area along with uh, Sergio Pettis and Beelined right to Stephen Thompson, both guys. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? I shake, uh, you know, Stephen Thompson's hand, who I've shaked, you know, dozens upon dozens of times, and I'm like, this dude has soft hands like me, my kind of dude. All right, cool. Yeah, I moisturize. Blah blah. My this is the hardest thing I do with my hands and or punching. And then I shake Sergio Pettis's hand. I say hi. I call him Little Pettis. He laughs at me all the time. Obviously, he is, he is Little Pettis. 
dude, that guy's hands was like like grabbing my desk. I'm like, holy, what do you do? Manual labor? Uh, Sergio Pettis for it. Yeah, right. Sergio Pettis is taking on uh, John Moraga. I like this fight, man. I really like this fight. Speaking of Rufus Sport, I was told by Emmanuel Sanchez that he absolutely thinks CM Punk will fight again. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Well, it okay, will be Sergio. for sure because we're going to cover that thing to death. So, yeah. So Sergio Pettis has a has a real shot here, like. John Moraga is is no well. I don't want to say he's no more than Sergio Pettis. Sergio Pettis is a dark horse flyweight title contender candidate. He's won four of his last five fights. If he wins five out of six, that's more than enough justification to put him in a title fight. Now Moraga, if he loses here, he's lost three in a row. I don't think they cut him on three losses because that flyweight division needs all the name recognition they can get. I think Sergio's going to win this, though. He's, he's been doing really well of lately. Even in the fights that he's, he's lost, he's had glimpses of brilliance. Like, I thought he was going to beat Bruce Leroy until that, that third round. I'm going with Sergio here. I think that, that his striking is a lot more refined. Um, I think he's, he's built to go three rounds. We've seen him go three rounds Gosh, like four times in the last couple of years, five times. I think all of his wins in the UFC are by decision. So, yeah, I think it goes the distance, and I think that uh, Sergio takes it. Is it safe to say that after this broadcast, you and I will be uh, live once again doing the podcast? Sure. Well, until then, anything you want to say to the viewers tuning in right now and to those that will be tuning in later on uh, before I let you go? Yeah, super weird of BJ Penn to say that people shouldn't hold out for money fights when he pretty much caused a an unnecessary second GSP fight, then tried to force an unnecessary third GSP fight when he got his ass kicked by GSP. So that was a weird headline of, of the week for me. Uh, follow at Fightful Online, at Fightful Wrestle, at Fightful MMA. We're getting those last two um, handles going soon. Check out all of our stuff on YouTube. We have more podcasts than anybody. Showdown Joe doing five to six a week. Me doing five to six a week. I'll be on here with Jimmy Van later, I think. I haven't heard from the boss, but I assume I'll be on here later talking wrestling with uh, Jimmy Van. If you haven't visited uh, Fightful.com, do so. We have live coverage of everything in pro wrestling, everything in MMA from Bellator to UFC. Come there, hang out on our on our discussion boards, on the post, or our forums. Register at Fightful.com for free. You'll get early access to shows like uh, Elias Theodoro, Sean Pearson, Matt Riddle, uh, Shane Helms, who you may know as the Hurricane and WWE. We're bringing the goods, Joe. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much to Sean uh, for for. Jumping in on short notice, coming off the bench, jumping over the boards. I really appreciate it. Make sure you do give him a follow at Sean Ross Sapp uh, on social media. Follow yours truly at Showdown Joe. And tomorrow night, as I said, hopefully Sean Pierce will be able to join me. We will go live tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Until then, thank you very much for tuning in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.